1: We were the last child indeed with Steven Tyler and of course Aerosmith from the grown up soundtrack, Ladies and Gentlemen Rob Schneider, Kevin James, Chris Rock and Adam Sandler. And of course it has done two films already and become big hits and there's already talk about a third one. Yes folks, welcome to episode two twenty six, ladies and gentlemen of wrestling revisited. I'm your host, the Iceman, Jared D. Jerome. And, Of course tonight we will be joined hopefully by King NWO Gerard T. Smith, the King of Clubs, Mitt Patel, our good friend Justin Lewis Fleming. And of course a bunch of you guys as well. Let's give you the number right now as we start tonight's show. One six oh five five six two zero four 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 one three nine nine two six pound. You can join us till eight o'clock as tonight we're gonna take you back to two of the most unique moments in wrestling history, how that happened on this date. It was literally 30 years ago today, How we saw an interesting moment happen in Baltimore. And then six years later, how we're going to fast forward the clock, if you will, ladies and gentlemen, to Daytona Beach, Florida, if you will, to one of the more, let's just say, unique moments in wrestling history. And, of course, we will be talking about it with our panel tonight, ladies and gentlemen. You don't, really, you don't want to miss that. Coming up at 9 o'clock on Revolution, of course, we will have the Raw Breakdown on what was a very interesting Monday Night Raw last night, if you will. Heading into Extreme Rules, a week from this Sunday, ladies and gentlemen, known as the Horror Show, ladies and gentlemen, John Gross, my tag team partner, of course, will be joining us, however, with the birthdays and dates, tower as far as that goes, and of course, King NWO's R. T. Smith and I will have your news headlines for you as well. Today, of course, we'd like to wish a happy birthday, of course, to hockey superstar great Joe Sackick, who today turns 51 years old, also happy birthday to... Figure skating great, Michelle Kwan, who turns 40 years old today. And today, also, a happy 60th birthday to former Virginia Cavalier and All-ACC basketball superstar back in the mid-'80s with the University of Virginia, Ralph Sampson. Today, also, believe it or not, ladies and gentlemen, would have been a very significant day because it would have been the birthday of Satchel Paige. Satchel Paige, turning 114 today, had he survived. Tomorrow, of course, ladies and gentlemen, my very good friend Tim Randall's hower will be celebrating a birthday. Also, former Pittsburgh Steelers great, Jack Lambert, and the former ABC head of director of Monday Night Football back in the day, Rune Aldrich, will be celebrating the birthday tomorrow, Thursday, folks. will be celebrating the birthday, of course, of, ladies and gentlemen, a unique uh, former Kansas City World baseball superstar. And then on Friday, folks, to close out the week, we'll be celebrating the birthday of, let's just say, a football coach, a former Chicago Cub great a tennis great, if you will, ladies and gentlemen, and also a former boxing superstar great. So, folks, that's just coming up as well later this week. Also, ladies and gentlemen, don't forget, tomorrow night wrestling debate will have the AEW NXT Fighter Fest 2 and the Great American Bash Tower. Fireworks beginning at eight PM with Wrestling Debate, one three nine nine two five pound. GTS, Michelle Dodds the Black Widow, the Empress, Rick Lock the Jam, Alex Benz, Big IQ Jeff Tears the Rush Round of Rush Right. Mr. WCW Chad and and the rest of the gang will be joining us around the round table for a great night of discussion. Beginning at eight PM. Of course, you can check out Outside the Rose with the latest politics, movies, and sports with Mr. O. and myself, of course, beginning at six thirty PM, one four one three eight seven pound. And of course, Wolfpack Pack one three eight five two one pound this Thursday at nine PM. GTS and I will have your news headlines for you, John. We'll have the birthdays and dates and then. Of course, next Monday, folks, on Raw Radio, we will have you our predictions for the Extreme Rules show beginning at 3 p.m. on Raw Radio. You do not want to miss that. 138744 4 pound. We will talk about the latest music. Movies and sports news, however, as well as a breakdown of the Extreme Rules card how next Monday and each and every Monday, Hower on Raw Radio and then at eleven o'clock of course you can check out John's Facebook page on John Gross Wrestling and Sports Incorporated, which by the way, you can sign up now until tomorrow morning, ladies and gentlemen, to get involved with Fighter Fest two, Electric Boogaloo, Howard, with your predictions as far as that goes until later tonight, how and of course tomorrow night John will give you the NXT AEW breakdown on the Wednesday night recap, however, as he does each and every Monday with the raw recap and of course as you know john had a lot to say last night However, after monday night saw uh, let's just say very interesting raw if you will as we told you 30 years ago, how it was a very historical moment, Howard, that happened in Baltimore, Maryland at the Great American Bash as Ric Flair would take on the artist formerly known as Steve Borden, a.k.a. The Stinger. And let's just say The Stinger, after uh, coming up short two years ago in what was a very physical, hard-fought, 45-minute battle, how and defeating Ric Flair, Howard, in retribution only a year later, Howard, to capture... Uh, a major upset win over Ric Flair, however, would capture his first World's title reign, however, in July of 1990, 30 years ago tonight, ladies and gentlemen, in the legendary Baltimore Arena. We will talk about that here coming up tonight on Wrestling Revisit with our panel as we hope to hear from some more members of our panel here in just a few moments. But right now, folks, we will talk about our other moments that have happened on this date, July 7, 1996. But before we do, folks, let's take a look and tell you, like I said, what happened on the Great American Bash of 1990. Of course, this show, as we said, ladies and gentlemen, was held in Baltimore, Maryland. 14,000 packed into the building, ladies and gentlemen. Let's just say it was a very interesting night of action. Of course, with that said, here's what went down. The first match of the night was a warm-up match, ladies and gentlemen. David Sierra, better known to you all as the Cuban Assassin, ladies and gentlemen, David Sierra, who competed in Puerto Rico as well as World Wrestling Council, and who is the cousin of former WWE and ECW uh, manager and official, ladies and gentlemen, respectively. Bill Afonso, aka Fonzie, if you will, ladies and gentlemen, who will be turning 60 years old coming up at the end of this month and who now lives in Miami, ladies and gentlemen, and who has been competing since 1978 at the age of 18, ladies and gentlemen. took on the mysterious Mr. X in our opening match of the evening, ladies and gentlemen, here at the Bash. Mr. X, better known to you all as uh John Steele Hill of course, ladies and gentlemen, however, he also competed in the World Wide Wrestling Federation back in the day. Of course he passed away in March of twenty ten at the age of sixty eight. Of course he was from our good friend Justin Lewis Fleming's neck of the woods, Indianapolis, Indiana, as you know. Uh he of course was also brought into the w w w f i I as Jimmy, Jerry Valiant however, after Jimmy Valiant contacted contracted hepatitis which Johnny Valiant of course he, they both held the worldwide Wrestling Federation tag team title after Jimmy recovered the three Valiant's however, worked in six man matches and sometimes eight man matches however, with their manager the great great Captain Louis Albano if you will ladies and gentlemen after eight months in the company Hill split from the Valiant's and left the area and he returned as a solo preliminary wrestler and referee in 1984 when the WWE would use his ring at shows in Indiana Missouri, Michigan and Kansas he also played hockey and boxing in his youth and grew up in Ontario, Canada, ladies and gentlemen. Howard, as we said, after uh, a battle advanced, all-time was on set by post-concussion syndrome. Tragically, he would pass away at the age of 68. He was also known to people as Guy Heenan, the Masked Strangler, the Stomper. He stood six foot three, ladies and gentlemen, a big guy in his own right, making his pro debut at the age of 18 in the late 50s, early 60s. He also feuded with the legendary Sheik, aka Ed Farad, Howard, was uh, best known to you all as the uncle of the suicidal, homicidal, genocidal madman of Bombay, former ECW wrestler superstar Sabu. Anyway, folks, that is what happened there. Anyway, this match, of course, only went 10 minutes long to open up the show, and it gave the crowd something to cheer about very early in the going. As a result, this was a very good entertaining opener, to say the least, if you will. Then we began the show with our announced team of Bob Coddle and good old JR Jim Ross. Jim Ross, as you know, was the executive vice president of WCW around this time, Howard, and also at the same time, we also had Of course, uh, the interview is done by, of course, Gordon Soley, the dean of wrestling, if you will. And, of course, our ring announcer was a man who just recently, yesterday, celebrated his 46th year in the business. One of our own, ladies and gentlemen, probably one of the best announcers of all time up there with the likes of Howard Finkel, ladies and gentlemen. And of course, ladies and gentlemen, uh, other people, however, that used to uh, become big announcers back in the day, I'm talking about the world's most dangerous announcer. Yes, folks, the one and only Mr. Gary Michael Capetta, a good friend of ours here on the WCW Radio Network, ladies and gentlemen, who a couple years ago was inducted to the celebrity and also uh, very unique, prestigious WCW Hall of Fame. Of course, uh, yesterday was his 46th year celebrating in the business. We want to congratulate Gary Michael Capetta. We talked about him yesterday on Raw Radio, as you know. Gary, of course, has worked for territories like WCW, uh, WWE, of course, back in the late 70s, early 80s, used to call you in the Spectrum shows, how in Philadelphia, of course, and also the Philadelphia Arena shows and the old World Wide Wrestling Federation uh, television show, All American Wrestling, if you will. And uh, that being said, uh, we want to congratulate him on a well prestigious honor, ladies and gentlemen, of uh, immense wealth as he celebrated his 46th year in the business, believe it or not, ladies and gentlemen, just yesterday. So, congratulations to him. Anyway, folks, with that said, let us continue on with our show. Our first match of the night, ladies and gentlemen, was the loose cannon Brian Pillman, ladies and gentlemen, taking on Buddy Landell, the former nature boy who, of course, wrestled in the old NWA territory as well as other territories over the years. Of course, as you know, he passed away five years ago, believe it or not, ladies and gentlemen, however, due to a car accident at the age of 53, ladies and gentlemen. He, of course, had retired just a few months before that, however, mind you, however, needless to say and as a result however he also uh was well let's just say a very unique wrestler managing by JJ Dillon at one time However, he also said in an interview before his untimely passing he began abusing drugs and that would be uh let's just say some of his downfall issues over the years he also competed in other territories too including Smoky Mountain wrestling ladies and gentlemen how and also southeastern championship wrestling at one point in 1995 he was ranked number 70 of the top 500 single guys of the pro-wrestling illustrate years and also wrestled in the USWA and the World Wrestling Council, believe At one time, he held the Caribbean Tag Team Championship once hour and the North American Tag Team Championship with former WWE 80s jobber Terry Gibbs. He also won the USWA title. Sad to say, of course, he was involved in a car accident, however, and he was released from the hospital before returning to his home just outside of Chihuahua, Virginia. Sad to say, his wife Donna would find him passed away the following morning at the age of 53. Uh, as we said, he had three children. He stood six foot one, two, three. Trained, of course, by Cowboy Bob Orton Jr., the uh, ace and father of Randy Orton, if you will. Also trained by, believe it or not, the former father of the Iceman, aka the Man of Thousand Holds, the shooter Dean Malenko, the Professor Boris Malenko, ladies and gentlemen. If you will also at the same time he wrestled in Connell Wrestling Association, ladies and gentlemen, and also. ECCW, Extreme Coastal Championship Wrestling, believe it or not, and the IWA Mid-South Territory. Anyway, this match did not go very long. As a result, it went about nine and a quarter minutes. In the end, Brian Pillman picks up the win however, by defeating Buddy Landell. Pillman, of course, would uh, go on to feud later on down the road with guys like Jusin Thunder Liger, Ricky Steamboat, of course, and also team up and feud with his Hollywood Tag Team uh, Blonde's partner. you'll stunning, Steve Austin. Later on, Stone Cold Steve Austin, if you will throughout the decade if you will, but nevertheless this was a good way to kick off the show. Up next, how are another unique wrestler from Syracuse University, ladies and gentlemen, IRS, Mike Rotundo, ladies and gentlemen, who of course competed in the very first WrestleMania, ladies and gentlemen, took on the Iron Sheik. Sheiky baby, as you know, of course we all know about his history over the years and also the way his style has been. He was of course a former bodyguard for the Shah of Iran. He also was also a one time the World Wrestling Federation champion. But by nineteen ninety, how are his days in the ring were pretty much numbered if you will, and as a result, Rotundo got a little retribution on Sheik after what had happened five years before WrestleMania 1, if you will, However, And on this night, Rotundo, of course, was a member of a gimmick called the Varsity Club with Kevin Sullivan and Rick Steiner. As a result, Rotundo ended up picking up the win, however, by defeating Sheiky Baby in six and a half minutes. Uh, up next, ladies and gentlemen, talking about a very unique match, ladies and gentlemen, Doug Furness, of course, ladies and gentlemen, who in the 90s would team up with a big wrestler by the name of... Uh, uh Phil LaFawn, ladies and gentlemen take on Dirty Dutch Mantel, aka uh, Uncle Zeb Akai, if you will, or Zeb Coulter, whatever you want to call him. Uh he is of course also the voice of the Dark Side of the ring series that you can see on ViceLand T V, if you will. Uh Dirty Dutch of course always had that unique style about him, ladies and gentlemen. And of course as you know he retired shortly thereafter. Of course, um he's six foot two twenty, ladies and gentlemen, born in Nashville, Tennessee, however, if you will now living in West Memphis, Arkansas, ladies and gentlemen, however uh, he retired shortly after this, however, and then would begin his managerial career, if you will, shortly thereafter. Uh, surprisingly, like I said, however, last year, however, believe it or not, however, uh, like I said, he narrated five episodes of the Dark Side of the Ring documentary series and a couple more just this past year, if you will. Of course, uh, Dirty Dutch, as you know, turn will be turning, actually... Uh, I believe, uh, let's see, yeah, he will be turning, uh, he, 71 this year, he just turned 70 just last November. Uh, as you know, he was also, uh, awarded the Vietnam Service Medal for his tour in Vietnam before getting into wrestling, which, of course, he would make his pro debut in the mid-70s as Wayne Cohen. He then, of course, changed his name to Dirty Dutch in the late 70s, early 80s, How working with the Southeastern territories like, uh, Knoxville, Memphis, uh Georgia Championship wrestling, Central States wrestling, if you will, among other territories. Uh, nevertheless how it is was Doug Furness, of course, a very unique wrestler in his own life. Doug Furness, of course passing away of heart disease uh eight years ago, tragically at the age of fifty two, stood five foot ten, two forty of course, teaming up with Phil Lafon. Uh, one thing that uh Furness was known for, however, despite competing briefly in E C W and WWE Howard was his uh expertise as a powerlifter. I mean, you talk about a big guy, ladies and gentlemen. Even though he only stood 2 through 43, hour, he uh, did some amazing records that I don't think will ever be broken, even by Mark Henry, the world's strongest man. I'm sure couldn't do these records that Furness did at the time. At the time, uh, he squatted over 986 pounds, bench pressed over 600, deadlifted 825 for a total of 2,400 pounds. That's just incredible, folks. I mean, really, that is absolutely incredible. This, of course, Despite doing this, however, at the age of 23 years old at the University of Tennessee, he still holds the record for the squad at 986, the deadlift at 826, and total 2,400 pounds, just an incredible achievement in itself. Uh, Ten years later, he would retire, of course, ladies and gentlemen, due to some... Uh, just felt like it was time to get out. Sad to say, however, he did battle heart disease later in his life and had been battling Parkinson's disease prior to his passing. His death, unfortunately, was confirmed by one of his sisters in March of 2012. He was survived by his wife, three sisters, one brother, and numerous nieces and nephews, however, when he passed away. Uh, a very unique wrestler, nevertheless, and one of his uh, greatest matches ever occurred in May of 1992, of uh, teaming up with Dan Crawford against Kenta Kobayashi and Tazuki Kaio ladies and gentlemen, in Japan. Of course he was a big, big star in the land of the rising sun, ladies and gentlemen. And I see joining us now on the lines. We welcome him in now to two twenty five, ladies and gentlemen, our man from the Hoosier State, ladies and gentlemen, the one and only, Justin Lewis Fleming. Well, I mean, Justin, welcome. We were just talking a little bit about the Great American Rash nineteen ninety. We already got some of the matches started. We talked about a couple of them already, but let's get your thoughts on these real quick. Uh, we talked about, of course, the first match of the Great American Bash 90, which was Brian Pillman and the late, great Nature Boy, as he called himself the Nature Boy at the time, Buddy Landell, Mike Rotondo taking on the Iron Sheik, and then, of course, Doug Furness taking on Dirty Dutch Mantel. Let's get your thoughts on these matches uh, here as we started the Great American Bash of
0: 1990. Um, okay, Um. You know, I never knew the Undertaker was in WCW. I, I, I never knew that, and I never knew Paul Heyman was his manager.
1: Yes, for a brief time he was, just not for not very long, but yes, he was. And we'll be talking about that, actually, here on this uh, particular show. Uh, but uh, our first match was Brian Pillman taking on uh, Buddy Lindell. Your thoughts about Brian Pillman winning here the opening match of the Great American Bash of 1990?
0: It's pretty good. So it was, it was a good match.
1: Yes. Uh, up next, of course, another interesting moment. Mike Rotundo, uh, better known to you all as Erwin R. Scheister and a later uh, team of the uh, team with Teddy He's taking on a guy who, uh, let's just say, cost him the WWF Tag Team titles back at the first WrestleMania. The man known as Sheiky Baby, the Iron Sheik, however. The very unique, uh, controversial Iron Sheik. Uh, Rotundo got a little retribution here on Sheik here. Your thoughts about this one?
0: Yeah, it, yeah, that, that's that's karma. That's karma for him.
1: Yes. Oh, yes. I would agree. I would definitely agree.
0: Yeah, because um, think... remember, yeah, in, in 1983, um, I look. I remember because I, um, I looked up some wrestling history in 1983, December 1983. Um, he threw in the uh, Arnold scoring, threw in the towel, and um, Bob Bacon lost the WWE title to yep. to Iron sheet
1: Yes, and of course, a month after that, of course, Hulk Hogan would be, uh, as we all know, would win that title, of course, from the Sheik, if you will, as we all recall. Up next, another interesting moment, uh, Dirty Dutch Mantel, Zeb uh, Coulter, if you'll take it on Doug Furness. Doug Furness, a, a very unique wrestler. I just mentioned, uh, you're talking about a guy who was uh, not that big. I mean, he was only 5'10", 240, but this is a guy who set the record, however, for collegiate records in uh, the squat, lifting over 882 pounds, however, mind you, however, deadlift, almost 700 and uh, yeah, deadlift 825 however, mind you, Howard the squat, 985 pounds bench press 600, total 2400 pounds, that is just absolutely amazing for a guy, Howard who uh, is still considered by many to be one of the strongest men, even though he wasn't a big guy, However, he showed plenty of heart here by uh, becoming the all-time uh, powerlift champion of Tennessee your thoughts about Doug Furness beating uh, Dutch Mantel, a.k. Zeb Coulter here
0: Good, it's good. It's
1: good match. Yes. Okay. Indeed. Our next match of course we continue on here at the Great American Bash nineteen ninety, ladies and gentlemen. Our Pits another Hall of Famer, ladies and gentlemen. Handsome Harley Race, ladies and gentlemen, the former seven time NWA world champion on Wildfire, Tommy Rich. These two had, had history in the early eighties in Georgia Championship Wrestling. Race of course will later go on to manage a guy, as we all know as the man known as Big Van Vader, if you will, and also Lex Luger. Rich was kind of slowing down his career around this time. Rich, of course, a big superstar in Memphis, Howard, and other places, including for a brief time, had a small run in ECW. uh, Race beating Tommy Rich here. Uh, Your thoughts about this one involving uh, Harley Race and Tommy Rich? Good,
0: um, good, um, good, Good match.
1: Indeed. Thank you very much. Up next, another interesting moment here, ladies and gentlemen. The original Midnight Express, ladies and gentlemen. uh, Beautiful Bobby and Sweet Stanley with their uh, mama's boy, the man with the tennis racket, James E. Cornette, taking on the Southern Boys. uh, Steve Armstrong, ladies and gentlemen, and Tracy Smothers, uh, as you know. Uh, Tracy Smothers, I know, has been battling health issues over the little bit, however, as a result, this was for the NWA U.S. Tag Team title, if you will. The Midnight Express, however, actually delivered one of the most exciting matches of the evening by pulling off the win here by defeating the Southern Boys. Anytime these two teams would uh, get it on, or the Midnight Express would work with other teams like the Road Warriors, the Rock and Roll Express, the Russians, the Horsemen, they would always deliver a hard-hitting match. Your thoughts about James E. Boys, however, defeating the Southern Boys here on this night?
0: Um. Are, um, I think uh, you mean me the um um, you mean Jim Cornette's team, um um tag
1: yes, team? It, yes, Jim Cornette's team, oh, Paul Heyman's team. Yes, correct. Mm-hmm. The other I Express, which was Randy Rose and his partner. That would come, of course, that happened the year before. Yes, but this one was beautiful. Bobby and Sweet Stan Lane, unlike Randy Rose and uh, lover boy Dennis.
0: I think um, Midnight Express should should on the original Midnight Midnight Express should have lost.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of people thought that too. Of course, as you know, uh, the Midnight Express had had that one uh, one of their greatest two of the greatest moments. I think uh, going back and watching their matches, uh, you have to go back to Stargate '86, deny the Skywalker's match. Of course, when the Road Warriors knocked Cornette off the uh, scaffold and Cornette twisted and broke his ankle. When he fell 25 feet straight down from the Atlanta Omni uh, Sky. And then the next year, of course, Big Baba, a.k.a. Big Bossman, if you will, ladies and gentlemen, got whacked with the tennis racket by Robert Gibson, Ricky Morton. And, of course, we always knew that the Express Tower, both Rock and Roll and Midnight Tower, would have some great battles on Mid-South, of course. Uh, they had a brief uh, couple matches in WWE, but they also focused their energy on a lot in WCW and in the NWA territory at the same time. Speaking of Big Men, however, let's talk about this next. Well, this was a quick match. you will, the monster known as Vader taking on another unique wrestler who was in a tag team one time in the early 80s with a can-Am connection, the Z-Man, Tom Zink. Vader picks up a win here and makes The Z-Man. Yes, the Z-Man who teamed up with uh, uh, Brian Pillman. Also, he uh, worked with guys like Arn Anderson Company and Rick Martell. Of course, he worked with in the WWE for a brief time. Uh, your thoughts about the man known as Vader defeating the Z-Man and leaving a mark on him here on the Great American Bash of 90.
0: pretty good match and got and may may god rest their souls to Tom Sink and in Peter
1: indeed no question about it and we've said many times over that i think vader deserves a spawn in the hall of fame you talk about one of the best big men in the sport folks i mean i watched something about him today uh... this is a guy who uh, of course played football at the university of colorado and was drafted by the l.a rams uh... he was married of course for eighteen years he had two children of course known as big baby bull and uh... big van vader he's at six foot five four fifty how are ladies in weight uh, believe it or not, however, had he survived Tower to this day, he would be, however, believe it or not, uh, 65 years old right now. And this is a guy who, of course, uh, was a very, very tough hombre, but it was also a gentle giant outside. I mean, it depends on if you're on his good side or not. Oh. But, uh
0: oh Jerry, tough. JD? Yes. Yes. What do you think about this? The, um, did you see the, the new um, United States champion last night? The new, new, new yeah, belt? No, what I'm, do you think? What do you I'm, think It okay, this?
1: Yeah, I was going to bring that up. That was going to be my next question before we get into our next match. Good point there, Justin. Um, I like it. I think it's pretty cool. I think it's a real cool belt. I think they did a good job with it. I just don't think MVP or uh, freaking uh, Bobby deserves it just yet. I think they will get it, but I, I think it's pretty cool. I like the design of it. It's really. It reminds me of the old WCW uh, U.S. Tag Team belts they had in the 80s. Sort of like all gold and flash. I think it's really cool. I think they did a nice job with it. What about you? What do you think of it?
0: Um, I think. Uh, um, look. Um, it's um. All right, someone on. I'm in a wrestling group called. I'm in another wrestling group, and it said, and someone made comment said, "Why is the eagle wearing sunglasses? Or is that an owl?" Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Well, like
1: I, I think good.
0: Um. I, I, I you know I think I think this it looks like a kind of like a woman's title a little bit is the US new US title.
1: Yeah, it kinda does. I'll read you there. I'll read you there. I'll I'll you there. I'll read you there. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. But like I said, we'll see what happens. I mean we'll obviously see who's gonna come out of that, uh, like I said, with the first ever uh chance of holding that new US but we you know Apollo has it right now, but we know that M V P or uh, possibly Bobby Lashley have challenged uh, Apollo for that bell coming up at Extreme Rolls Howard, the Horror Show, and we'll see what happens when week from Sunday. But uh, very good point indeed. Up next, and talking about teams, how here's another good team at the match of, of uh, interesting proportions, ladies and gentlemen. The Steiner Brothers, uh, Rick and Scott, taking on the fabulous Freebirds, uh, Jimmy Jam Garvin, and Michael PSAs. Uh, the Steiners pick up the win here. This is for Scott Steiner, of course, later on in the down the road would be, uh, let's just say, with the white beard and the white hair. But uh, the Steiners, uh, all-American boys from Michigan, pick up the win against the Fabulous Freepers, Jimmy Jam, and Michael P.S. Hayes. Your thoughts about this one? Good match. Yes, I would agree. Steiners, a good
0: tag team.
1: Yes, indeed. No question about it. They had some great battles, of course as we said with many people, not only just the Freebirds, but with the horsemen, the Midnight Express, uh paulie's uh Midnight Express of course, uh also, uh they also teamed up with the Road Warriors, and they worked with guys like Sting and Dusty Rhodes and Nikita Koloff as well, and Ivan Koloff, if you will. Up next, time on another unique uh, tag team. However, yes. the Dudes with Attitude, the DWA. However, El Giante better known to you all as John Gonzalez, the JYD Junkyard Dog, and Mr. Wonderful Paul Ellsworth, taking on the Horsemen of Double A, Barry Windham and Psycho Sid Vicious. Uh, this would uh, play a part in the match later on in the show. However, the Dudes with Attitude end up. Uh, up in the Horsemen here, as this would uh, start to show a little bit of a crack in the Horsemen foundation around this time. Your thoughts about the DWA defeating the Horsemen of Arn, Barry, and Sid?
0: I loved it. Um, I, lo- I-, I loved. I love I It was a good match, and um, dudes of attitudes were good. Good stable.
1: Yes, they were. And Giante, of course, uh, better known as the Giant Gonzalez, probably one of the best big men, if not the biggest man in sport. Next to Andre, the Giant, saying seven foot nine, almost eight feet tall, four hundred and seventy pounds. Ladies and gentlemen, he would only wrestle five years, howard tragically he would pass away, however, in September 2010 due to kidney failure, he would also, uh, wrestle in the WWE as giant bench by, uh, downtown Bruno, Harvey Whippleman. but, uh, El Giante, you talk about a guy who was actually brought in by Ted Turner at the time, however, from Argentina to try his Atlanta Hawks basketball team, let's just say, he couldn't play basketball, but he could wrestle, however, and there are times, however, when you looked at him, however, you didn't think he was that tall of a big man of 7 feet and 11, almost 8 feet tall, but... He was no doubt about it, and you just talked about Paulie Dangerously and the Undertaker here, and that leads us to our next match, of course, Lex Luger, the U.S. Champion, defeating uh, the Undertaker here. The Undertaker later on, of course, would uh, leave the WWE and go on to WWE, leaving Paul Heyman high and dry. And of course, they would not reunite for many years afterward. However, uh, your thoughts about Luger defeating the Undertaker here for the U.S. Title?
0: Like I said, I never knew. I never, I never knew that Luger um, beat beat the Undertaker, Undertaker, and I never knew Paul Heyman was his manager because um, in the WWE's ruthless, aggression era, Paul Heyman yes. would be Brock Lesnar's um, manager, and uh, they would have a feud, and take would have a few with the, both of them, him and him, mm-hmm. and Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman.
1: Yes. If you get a chance, you gotta see my name is Paul Heyman, the D V D if you can find on the network. it's it, it's a very good D V D talks about his early uh days, how I got into the business as a photographer and how I used to know some of the wrestlers, uh and uh, buddied up to them, let's just say how uh, he grew up uh, idolizing guys like uh, Vince McMahon's father. He also got to know Freddie Blassie, Lou Albano. Of course, he started his career in the AWA managing guys like Adrian Adonis and the Midnight Express. Of course, he was also a part-time announcer, and him and JR had an on-again, off-again uh, feud with each other as announcers. Uh, and also, uh, just in general, how for a long time, how and we've seen over the years JR and Paul Heyman, let's just say... Not exchange Christmas cards with one another at times, let's just say, but uh, they've had, uh, let's just say, uh, mutual... Uh, interest with each other and also with uh, other people as well, let's just say. But speaking of tag teams that leads us to our semi-main event here at the Great American Bash Night as we continue on here. It is another unique team, however, and of course talking about another guy who, of course, would break the business as a manager, however, but later on become an official. The man known as Mr. Player himself, holla, 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 Teddy Long, ladies and gentlemen, bringing his team up, Hacksaw, Butch Reed, and Farouk, a.k.a. Ron Simmons, the All-American from Florida State, taking on the rock and roll express for the world's tag team titles of the NBA.
0: Damn!
1: Yes. Uh, Doom, of course, a very good team, of course. uh, They would have uh, some great moments. Butch Reed, of course, as we know, would have some good views. In Mid-South, of course, working with one of them. Of course, uh, one of the guys that he that's to say, developed a unique uh, rapport with a certain guy by the name of Big Daddy Ritter, a.k.a. the JYD, of course, we know, in 1984. Uh, Doom picks up the win over the Rock and Roll Express of Gibson and Morton here for the world's tag team titles, and Doom is still your champions. Your thoughts about Doom defeating the Rock and Roll Express here?
0: It a pretty good tag team, a pretty good match. Um, and, um, yes. I've
1: been, I've been a Ron Simmons fan since I was little. Yes, Ron Simmons. I was, I've been a Ron Simmons fan myself. I grew up watching Ron, of course, uh, in WCW 1992-93, and that's when I started watching him. I became more enamored of him later on down the road, however, when he started working in WWE with Justin uh, uh, Hawk Bradshaw, later on John Bradshaw Layfield, one of his good friends. Of course, uh, Ron Simmons, a Hall of Famer, a former All-American, Florida State, of course, uh, the first ever African-American world champion in history that is an achievement in itself 2 years later he would accomplish I've been that a in real in, in, in. Go ahead. I've, been a, I've been a real wrestling
0: fan since I've been a WWE fan WCW fan since 1992
1: That's that's a good time to be because there was a lot of great moments that came out of that year uh Bulldog and Bret Hart uh Jake the Snake Robertson, Sting at Halloween Havoc uh the Battle Bull uh as we know WrestleMania 8 uh, Flair and of course uh, Savage, of course. Uh, also, we had Bret Hart and Piper at WrestleMania that year. Yeah, I started watching wrestling uh, for a time in the mid 80s when hulkamania first began in 84, however, and that's when I started watching. And then there was a period, however, after WrestleMania 4 and 88 that I completely just gave up on it for about four or five years. And then when primetime wrestling ended in late 92, early 93, with Raw starting off. I became a born-again fan of WC- WWE uh, about a year later when Hogan jumped shipped to WCW. That's when I really – my interest went up a little bit more. And then finally by like 95, 96 with ECW, starting off with guys like uh, Taz, Malenko, Benoit, Sabu, RVD, all those guys. I mean, I really just went crazy. And now uh, I like all those federations, even the I old know federations like Smoky Mountain Wrestling, AWA, New Japan, All Japan, Florida, Georgia – you name it. I've watched them all uh, on YouTube, and I've read all the results over the years. But go ahead. You were saying something. Please.
0: reason why Hogan left WWE in 1993 and went to WCW in 1994 because Vince McMahon, the piece of garbage, Vince, he test- Hogan testified against the piece of garbage Vince McMahon for steroid abuse.
1: Yep, the steroid trial. Yep. I remember that. I remember that quite well. I thought Vince was going to jail. And I remember a couple years ago, I think it was Sean Oliver did an interview with uh, Brett Hart about that. And Brett thought at one point that Vince was really going to go to jail because of that, because of Hogan testifying. And he said, if Hogan went to jail, Jeff Jarrett's father, Jerry Jarrett, who was running uh, Memphis and USWA at the time, which just had bought out world-class by the Von Erics, I remember. And I remember watching world-class. I remember when I was a kid, too, uh, on the weekends, especially late at night. If they were going up against Saturday night's main event, I would always flip it back and forth between 11.30 and 12 o'clock at night on Saturday night. Uh, But anyway, yeah, Jerry Jarrett was going to take over Vince's company. And there was some serious talk about Jeff Garrett coming in early on at that time. But, yeah, I remember uh, when Vince was uh, being pressured by the government and uh, trying to omit everything, however, and saying, did you guys give your guys words like Superstar Graham, Hulk Hogan, others, however. And I remember there was a very ill will towards Vince. And, uh, like I said Hogan for a long time after Hogan went against him and then of course uh, Hogan of course later on would end up uh, going back to the company for a while drop the title to Yokozuna again however mind you however that he went back Uh, from Yokozuna after Bret Hart had dropped the title, Howard, to Yoko. Yoko had only had for a brief cup of coffee at WrestleMania, and then Hogan had won it back again. But, uh, in 1994, Hogan then said, you know what, I'm packing my stuff up again. I'm going to have to I'm going to spend time with my wife at the time, my ex-wife now, Linda. And my children Brooke and Linda, or Linda and Nick, and I'm going to head down south to WCW. And sure enough, Ric Flair uh, started talking along with Bischoff, and one thing led to another. And Hogan showed up shortly thereafter in the summer of '94. And as they say, the rest is history. We'll talk about Hogan here in just a little bit, by the way. But speaking of Ric Flair, that leads us to our main event here at the Bash 1990. Sting versus Ric Flair. Ric Flair, of course, uh, would be gone less than a year later after this because of the whole Jim Hurd debacle. And I can remember. Jim Hurd, and I'm sure you've heard the story about Jim Hurd. Jim Hurd was not one of the nicest promoters in the world. He had like a little Napoleon complex. He owned a pizza joint in St. Louis, the Pizza Hut chain. Uh, This guy was really, uh, I wouldn't say, well, some Napoleon-ass coward, but this is a guy who just really never made friends with anyone. Even Ric Flair talked about him over the years. He said at one point that he wanted Flair to uh, basically cut his hair and have an earring in his uh, ears, Howard, and call him Spartacus after the movie however, that wow. came out many years before and that was a very questionable thing that Ric Flair totally went against the grain on that one and he said that Jim Herd made everyone's life a living hell herd of course would be gone by the summer of 91 however. but at the time however, he was sort of like the yeah, he
0: stripped char- yeah he stripped good yeah he stripped he stripped Rick Flair of the title he stripped he stripped, uh, stripped Rick Flair of the World retirement. that's how that's how he yeah, Rick Flair perhaps. went to the WWE
1: Right, that was a year later, right after this. That's correct. Yes, that's right. Yes, and uh, Flair just Flair was sick of it. I mean, Flair, Flair was not the only one who was sick of the bullshit and the politics. Even then, How I mean, Jimmy Crockett had sold the company to Turner a few years before. Uh, Turner thought, however, bringing in Jim Hurd would be a good thing. Crockett couldn't stand Herd. Most of the town could sting. I know for years said how that Herd was a very difficult person. Where Flair said the same. Uh, I think Jim Cornette even couldn't stand him at times too. There were a lot of people who couldn't stand him. But on this night's sting, uh, after winning what happened at the, the 89 Starcade, however, uh, the Iron Man tournament, of course, and then of course what had happened earlier in the year with his ankle being shattered, however, mind you, however, uh, mind you, and sitting out for about three or four months and then returning here, how after the Four Horsemen had ganged up on him at the Clash, however, in February that year. Sting finally got a little retribution yet again on Flair. Uh this time how he made two for two after what had happened how in the first meeting, however, that had happened in March of eighty eight, the forty five minute Iron Man match at the very first class, which I still think is one of the best uh Iron Man matches up there along with Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels from Mania twelve. But on this night Sting finally cracked through the ceiling, no pun intended, and shattered the glass, however, in becoming the new N W A world champion and holding his first title here by defeating Rick Flair on this night. And Flair said later on how it was always uh, chemistry between him and Flair, and it seemed like Flair always had chemistry with a bunch of people. Whether it be Sting and him, Dusty Rhodes and him, Hogan and him. Uh, your thoughts about Sting and Flair here to close out the Bash 90 with Sting becoming the new NWA World Champion?
0: That, that's that's a really good match. Really good match. It was, was going to be. It's one of the greatest matches in the history of professional wrestling. And, that, and Sting, Sting, and um, Sting. Has first world title. And he's a needs to win the, the all time greats, and so is Rick Oh no
1: question, no question. I agree with you, no question about it. And of course, as you know, these two, of course, wrestled on the last night show together in two thousand and one. But uh, like I said, anytime they fought against each other or or teammates with each other, how they could always. uh Let's just say have a rapport with one another. Like I said, some of the best moments happened here from 88 through 90 into 91 and continuing on throughout the 90s, however. Like I said, whether it was Flair was a horseman or whether he was on his own in a singles career. But nevertheless, very unique moment there. All right, now we're going to turn the clock back ahead. However, as we fast forward ahead, let's just say I almost said turn it back. I meant to say fast forward ahead to six years later to another great moment that happened on this date. Ladies and gentlemen, it was 24 years ago tonight, ladies and gentlemen, that we saw the infamous shock of shockers, ladies and gentlemen. And we talked about it here the last couple of years on this particular day tower, and we're going to talk about it here tonight. It is the Bash at the Beach, 96 Hour, live from Daytona, 8,300 are packed into the building. This side, The uh, sideline for this uh, particular show is, there is this is no day at the beach, catch the big one. Well, we caught a big one, all right, and we'll talk more about that as we break down the show right now. And here we go with the breakdown. We'll start from the opening matchup, which, of course, we had five uh, Actually, four warm up matches and one entertaining non warm up match. Before we get into the main show, with that said, here's what we got Jim Powers, of course, taking on you, Morris, Bill Lamont, of course, uh, in short order. Justin, your thoughts about this one? Repeat again. Jim Powers uh, taking on you, Morris, Bill uh, Lamont. These are on a member of the Jimmy Hart stable, if you will. Jim Powers picking up the win over you, Morris. Your thoughts? The match. I agree. Up next, the Steiner Brothers back in action yet again, taking on another very unique special tag team. Harlem Heat, however, they would defeat Harlem Heat by DQ. However, despite the fact that Harlem Heat was uh, the champs, they would lose the belt, I believe, the next night, if I remember correctly, on Nitro to the Steiners in a rematch. But the Steiners would uh, get that opportunity to face Harlem Heat again the next night on Nitro. Your thoughts about the Steiners winning here and getting a chance, however, the following night against the Heat one more time, this time for the tag team titles.
0: Um, it
1: was a, it was a it was an okay match. Yes, I agree. Up next, hardcore work uh, uh, Bobby Walker, ladies and gentlemen, would take on a youngster by the name of Billy Kidman. Billy Kidman at the time, believe it or not, was only 22 years old. Not many people knew about him, but they would later know about him. And of course... Late in the late 90s, early 2000s, and now he is a member of the WWE, uh, let's just say, production team, and also was a trainer at one time, ladies and gentlemen, with the NXT brand. Your thoughts about Walker defeating Kidman? Um.
0: okay. Okay.
1: Okay. Uh, next to Rock and Roll Express, ladies and gentlemen, Robert Gibson and Ricky Morton back in action yet again, taking on Fire and Ice, uh, Ice Train, uh, if you will, ladies and gentlemen, of course, and then his partner. Scott Flash Norton, who of course later will join the NWO, who we'll talk about here on this show here in just a little bit. However, Scott Flash Norton, a big, strong man, big star in Japan, of NJPW. Uh, very strong in his own right. I believe he is still wrestling to this day. In fact, I believe he is. Yes, he is 60 years old, believe it or not, ladies and gentlemen, or who will be 60 next year. Standing six foot 6'3", three, 360. He made his pro debut in 28. He also worked in the uh, WWE for only one time, however, but wasn't there for very long. Uh, however, his uh, real star became a big synonymous uh, name however, in the land of the rising sun, Japan. Your thoughts about the RNR Express defeating the team of Norton and Ice Train? Um, good. It
0: was a, a good match. Pretty, good. a um, good tag team match.
1: All right. Up next, of course, the final match of the pre-show, however, was a young Eddie Guerrero taking on Lord William Steven Regal, and Eddie ended up picking up the win. Your thoughts about this one? Good
0: match, and, um, and, and rest in peace, Eddie Guerrero. Ordele, viva la Raza!
1: Yes, one of the best uh, light heavyweights of all time, one of my favorites of all time. I mean, he could go with anyone. Mysterio, uh, Guerrero, Dean Malenko, Conan, Chris Jericho, Psychosis, uh, Shinjuro Tani. However, uh, Juice and Tando uh, a lot of the famous Mexican and Japanese wrestlers. And speaking of Psychosis, that leads us to our opening match, one of the better matches of the evening. This was a match I really enjoyed after watching them in ECW prior to this. Rey Mysterio was only a month into his uh, WCW early run, taking on a guy he had known from ECW, the artist formerly known as Psychosis, aka Psychosis if you will, Mysterio picks up the win against Psychosis in what I thought was a fantastic match. Your thoughts about Ray Jr. and Psychosis here at the Bash? Good match. Yes. Have you ever seen their uh, match in ECW at all? The uh, the uh, False Count Anywhere match from 95?
0: Um, I haven't.
1: You definitely have to check it out. Very, very good match. I mean, you can find it on YouTube if you. Yeah. Oh. Uh, it's, um, it's the, well. October. Well, I think I think I. I think, I, I,
0: good. Yeah, I think I, I, Well, I think I probably might might have seen, uh, seen some of um, Ray Mysterio's matches on YouTube on e- in ECW for '95.
1: Yes, that's one of them, and I'll tell you, a fantastic match that is. Those those two guys. I mean, I've always been I've always been a Ray fan. I started watching Ray about a month prior to this, when he first arrived in WCW, but I've gone back and watched some of his stuff from uh, Mexico and ECW, especially his ECW stuff. His matches with guys like C. Colstis and Juventud, and Conan, and um, like I said, uh, Eddie, just fantastic, fantastic chemistry. No doubt about it. Just absolutely one of my all-time favorites. I love Ray Mysterio, always have been a Ray fan, and I will continue to be a Ray fan until he retires. Uh, Talking about a unique match here, a Carson City Silver Dollar match, ladies and gentlemen, sort of like a Four Corners match. The artist only known as Earthquake, John Tenta, ladies and gentlemen, taking on Big Baba, a.k.a. the Big Boss Man, if you will, Jimmy Hart. Uh, John Tenta, sad to say, is no longer with us, sadly. Uh, He passed away, of course, in 2006 due to bladder cancer. Six seven, four 4'65", ladies and gentlemen. He was also a pretty big uh, name in the Land of the Rising Sun as a sumo wrestler for a brief time, ladies and gentlemen. He was also known as the Avalanche, the Shark, Golga, if you will, and he had uh, some other unique names in the Land of the Rising Sun, which are hard to pronounce in Japan. But nevertheless, uh, John Tenta picks up the win against uh, the big boss man here in this one in the Carson City Silver Dollar match. Your thoughts about this one?
0: Good
1: match. Very good. Yes, I would agree. Up next, the artist formerly known as Mr. Self-High-Five, the master of the Diamond Cutter, DDP, ladies and gentlemen, taking on Hacksaw Jim Duggan in a tape fist match. Hacksaw Jim Duggan, as you know, bang one time, yes, bang, took on Hacksaw Jim Duggan, uh, Hacksaw, the first winner of the Rumble of 1988. He also competed in Mid-South with the Rat Pack of the late great oh. Map 1, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. And it's two-by-four in tow. The Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase, of course, uh, a great stable in the mid-'80s, however, in Mid-South. This turned out to be a very unique match. Diamond Dolls, Paige, uh, minus uh, Kimberly, the Diamond Doll, if you will, ladies and gentlemen, who, of course, would uh, he would join up with later on down the road. Defeats Hacksaw here in this one. Your thoughts about this one?
0: Good, good match. DDP and, D- and Jim Duggan yeah. are good, are the are, are one of the greatest WWE Hall of Famers.
1: I would have to agree with you about DDP. DDP, of course, at one time a one-time manager for a stable back in the late 80s known as Bad Company, ladies and gentlemen, Paul Diamond, if you will, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, he had the Diamond Dolls with him. Uh, His DVD, Positively Page, I have not read his book. I have seen the DVD of his life story on the network. Very, very good. Uh, A lot of people talk about him, uh, including Dusty Rhodes, uh, Cody Rhodes, Eric Bischoff, and others. However, a very unique motivational speaker, a guy, a member of DDP Yoga, who, of course, has helped people through their ordeals, including Jake the Snake Roberts and Scott Hall among others and hacksaw jim duggan of course battling through health issues of his own over the years of course ladies and gentlemen the last few years if you will and i know recently how he uh... let's just say had a little bit of a heart issue a few years ago but still folks he uh... Is a close friend of willie robertson believe on uh, the duck uh... commander's uh... tv show duck dynasty and, like I said, this is a guy who has been around a long time, ladies and gentlemen. He, of course, has been wrestling since 1979 from Glens Falls, New York. He is 66 years old, ladies and gentlemen. A very special guy. I had a chance to meet him about several years ago in, uh, believe it or not, of all places, our New Orleans tower when he was uh, doing WrestleMania 30 uh, access that weekend. I shook his hand and told him i have been a fan of him since WWE. I've gone back to watch some of those old Mid-South tapes, including with D.B. and Matt Bourne, the maniac, a.k.a. the original of the Clown from... Uh, the late 80s, early 90s, if you will. But yeah, D.B.R. seeing and him and uh, Duggan had some pretty good battles and uh, feuds with uh, certain teams. And they also feuded with each other, too, back in the early mid-80s of the Mid-South Territory, at Bill Watts' Territory, from like 82 through 84 into 85 and beyond some great moments there. Talk about tag teams that uh, were always very unique. How this next match will give you a good one. How are the Nasty Boys, knobs and Sags taking on the Public Enemy? How, of course, the Public Enemy, better known in ECW, uh, they hadn't done much in WCW, and I didn't think they didn't do, do bad here, but they could have done better. Your thoughts about the Nasty Boys defeating the Public Enemy? Um,
0: public, Public Enemy, they, um. Was, uh, they, 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 were, they, were, they were originally from ECW.
1: Yes, Rocko rock And um, yes.
0: So I think I think um, I think Public Enemy should have met, won this match. But All the right, Nasty Boys, the Nasty Boys are good. The nasty Boys are good. Are a good tag team. I think yes, they should be in uh, the WWE Hall of Fame. The Nasty Boys.
1: Oh, I agree. I I think they are tough as heck. I mean, they had some pretty good battles. Uh, one of their better moments, of course, came in SummerSlam. Uh, not SummerSlam, I think. It, well, I, one of them was SummerSlam, I should say, my mistake. They also had that great match, if you recall, WrestleMania 7, if you recall. I think they were with Demolition, I want to say. I think that's when it happened, I'm pretty sure. But, yeah, a very unique team And there own right tower. And, obviously, in course, Brian Nobbs, a good friend of Paul Kogan, Over the years, of course, as we know, Sags, of course, we know about him. Of course, Nobbs also uh, talked about some other uh, people, of course, which we'll talk about here in just a little bit. Up next, of course, the shooter, the man of a thousand holes, Dean Malenko, taking on Disco Inferno, however, in short order. Dean, of course, had had some great battles with Ray. We talked about the Cruiserweights before. Dean still is your Cruiserweight champion here as he defeats the somewhat dancing fool himself, Disco Inferno, here.
0: Oh, I, uh, oh, I'm sorry. I, I had to
1: throw someone in the trash. What you say? That's fine. I was talking about Dean Malenko and Disco Inferno for the WCW Cruiserweight title. Your thoughts about this one?
0: Good match. Yes. Dean Malenko's a good athlete.
1: Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. And we know he's now an agent with AEW to work with WWE as a backstage personality as well. Up next, of course, Steve Mungo McMichael with his... Uh, ex-wife and Stone Cold's ex wife, Queen Deborah McMichael, who I never could stand, taking on young Joe Gomez. Steve Mungo McMichael was an okay but as a wrestler. He was all right, but he wasn't great. Your thoughts about Mungo defeating Joe Gomez. It's
0: a pretty good match. Um yeah Steve uh Steve I remember Steve um Mongo Michael was um he was at he was in the WWE. He was at um WrestleMania he was at WrestleMania Eleven. Yes. You
1: know, you know, yes.
0: It, was, it was it was like a it was like a it was like a battle royal.
1: Something. Yeah, a battle royal, bodyguard type role. Yes. Of course, he also went to the University of Texas. He played for the Chicago Bears, the Green Bay Packers, and uh, was a head coach at the Chicago Slur. Believe it or not, uh, which believe it or not was they were an American uh, uh, indoor CI, uh, indoor football team. He had 838 tackles, 95 sacks, two picks. A three-time All-Pro and first-team All-Pro, however, ladies and gentlemen, uh, believe it or not, he also, like I said, made it to the College Football Hall of Fame. He was also one of the very first announcers for Monday Nitro, of course, when Nitro began in the mid '90s, if you will. Of course, who uh, decided to uh, get out of uh, announcing and try his luck in the ring, and of course, later on, would become a member of the. Four Horsemen. Speaking of the Four Horsemen, Rick Flair's back in the news yet again. Ladies and gentlemen, as he takes on the K Dog Conan. We talked about this before. Conan, of course, uh, putting his U.S. title on the line. Rick Flair had never won the U.S. title. Flair would win the U.S. title on this night. Your thoughts about Flair and K Dog? It was a
0: good match. And rest in peace, Miss Elizabeth and woman.
1: Yes, woman, woman, you're so fine, you blow my mind. Hey, woman, Nancy Sullivan Benoit, if you will, ladies and gentlemen. And, of course, the true first lady of wrestling, Elizabeth Howard, ladies and gentlemen, the former ex wife of Randy Macho Man Savage, who I've said many times over the last couple of years should be in the Hall of Fame and deserves to spawn the Hall of Fame. And hopefully next year she'll be able to go in. I think she should, if you ask me. Uh, up next, the big show, The Giant and The Taskmaster, a guy who, of course, was married to Nancy at the time. And actually had uh, physically forced left uh, was, uh, Nancy left it shortly thereafter to go with this guy, however, huh? Double A and the Rapid Wolverine Chris Benoit, who would later uh, become members of the Horsemen, if you will, especially Benoit, the Taskmaster being one of the most sinister, most uh, unique figures of wrestling, the Boston Brawler himself Kevin Sullivan. Your thoughts about this, however, involving the Giant, the Taskmaster defeating Arn Anderson and Benoit.
0: It was a good match. Indeed. You know, um, do you think, hey. hey, do you think, do you think, do you think Kevin Sullivan is the reason why Chris Benoit is dead?
1: No. I just think it was, I think what Benoit did, and I've said this many times over, I think what Benoit did was unspeakable and heard of and just totally, uh, I wouldn't say selfish, but absolutely uh, tragic, heartbreaking, very, uh, Just emotional and uh, very, uh, really, really just heartbreaking, to say this. No, I I don't think so. A lot of people say that uh, Sullivan had something to do with the whole thing involving Chris's uh, passing along with his ex-wife and uh, Chris's uh new son, Daniel Christopher, but if you read the book Ring of Hell by Matthew Mendoza of the Fifth of the which by the way folks is a very, very graphic book. I will say that first performance. I've talked about this book many times. It is one of the more graphic books you ever want to read. Uh it is somewhat intense, let's just say. But uh Kevin Sullivan in my opinion I don't think we'll ever see the Wrestling Hall of Fame in W W E, let alone any wrestling hall of fame, because of its complex uh, sure, he was a tough fighter back in the day, no question about it, and that's why they called him the Boston Barber. When it came to management and as far as uh, being an agent and being just the office personality, like uh, Vince Russo, if you will, and other people like Booker and Matchmaker, he had some good things here and there that weren't bad, but there were other things he was kind of iffy about, if you ask I me. and This is one of the things that uh, I will say how he was a little touchy about, especially when Chris uh, stole... Uh, Kevin's wife, Nancy, if you will, from him, and she ended up marrying Chris, and, of course, the rest, as they say, is history. Up next, it's time for the big hostile takeover match, ladies and gentlemen, of course. uh, Sting, Luger, and Randy Savage taking on Kevin Ash and Scott Hall. They had arrived back in WCW, of course. Prior to this, on Memorial Day, they said they had three guys. It was two on three for a while until a third person showed up, and let's just say we found out who that third person was, and let's just say a lot of people were shocked to save ladies. And right now, ladies and gentlemen, we're gonna take you back now to the final moments of what was a very interesting match here at Bash at the Beach ninety six. Bear with us here. We're just getting this queued up here by the way, too. Okay, here we go. This is what happened.
2: Man, and then there was one. And it will sting and he didn't look too good. Hulk-a-mania. Hulk, Hulk Hogan, Hogan is there. Hulk Hogan's here. Hulk Hogan is in the building. You're damn right he is. Go get him, Hulk, sir. Yeah, but whose side is he on? Go, what are you talking about? Whose side is he on? What are you talking about? Yes, sir! Get him, Hogan! Go get him, baby! Come on and get some of this now! Who's bad now, boys? Hulk Hogan arrives! Hook, hook, hook! What is oh he doing? My God! Is he the third man? He's the third man! What oh. the hell is going on here? Hulk Hogan has betrayed WCW! He is the third man! Look In at this. this picture! Oh my God! Yeah. What the hell is going on? Oh my God! Are you kidding me? Uh, probably the lowest shot ever given to
0: professional wrestling. He didn't always say Hogan.
1: Yes, folks, Hulk Hogan betrayed WCW in probably one of the most shocking, most unbelievable acts I have ever seen in my life. I mean, I remember watching this that night at a friend's house with a couple friends of mine, and we had talked the whole night who was going to be number three. We thought it was going to be Sting. We thought it was going to be Bret Hart because there had been talk Bret Hart had left WWE for a brief time hour after WrestleMania 12. We had not seen Hollywood Hulk Hogan in weeks leading up into this uh, occurrence. And I remember me and my friend looked at each other and we said, wouldn't it be funny if it was Hulk Hogan? And my friend, we were like smiling and saying, yeah, it would be pretty wild. Sure enough, Hogan came out, ladies and gentlemen, dropped the leg on Savage. We saw what happened. The fans went crazy. And within minutes, it got very, very ugly in a big-time way. This would end in a no contest, but the story here was Hulk Hogan joined Two of his former WWE mates, Kevin Nash and Scott Hall, however, mind you, informed, however, like I said, however, as we said, however, joining Hall and Nash, and let's just say, well, he had uh, quite a bit to say afterwards, and we're going to pick you up a little bit of that sound, however, before we close it out here, and if we go past the 8 o'clock hour, that's okay, this is worth it, folks. But, uh, Justin, let's get your thoughts before we play the promo that happened after the match involving Mean Gene and Hulk Hogan. Your thoughts about Hogan betraying the fans and betraying the entire WCW locker room by joining Hall and Nash as the third guy.
0: Reason why Hogan turned heel, right, because it was Eric Bischoff's idea to have Hogan turn heel so WCW can get ratings. because he will, because the reason why he wanted Eric Bischoff wanted Hogan to turn heel because he's seen. You remember um, Hogan in Rocky Three? He played a wrestling heel named Thunderlips.
1: Yes. Do you think, however, with his heel turn, however, it was the right decision all along?
0: Um. Yeah, but yeah, because um. Cause WWE, cause uh, WWE was um, it's kind of um getting, cause, cause a lot of fans were 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 stopped, were stuck were were, stopped, were, were, stopped, were had to quit watching WWE, had to watch um yep. WCW.
1: Yes, and of course they started uh, they start becoming interested, especially earlier in that uh, in late May, if you recall, when Hall first arrived back in and told uh, Bischoff, Sting, and the entire WCW he had come back. And he was being a big surprise. They with the big surprise turned out to be Kevin Nash. And then, of course, we all know what would happen later on in that year. But uh, at that night, however, I think a lot of people, Tony, uh, Dusty Rhodes, all of us uh, watching at home and in the building, they just stood there with our jaws open, like, what the hell are we seeing here? This is just shocking in itself. And, folks, after the match, let's just say things got even more interesting between two guys, however, who've been the best of friends, however, over the years in the form of Hulk Hogan. And Mean Gene over Let's just say Hogan had a few choice words to say to the fans after the match. As we will now cue up that sound for you, what happened following the interview? And here's what uh, Mean Gene had to say with Hulk Hogan in the ring of Hall Nash.
2: Hulk Hogan, excuse me, excuse me. What in the world are you thinking? Eugene, the first thing you need to do is to tell these people to shut up if you want to hear what i got to say. I have been with you for so many years. For you to join up with the likes of these two men absolutely makes me sick to my stomach. think that these people here and a lot of other people around the world have had just about enough of this band, this band, and you want to put yourself in this group? You've got to be kidding me. Well, the first thing you got to realize, brother, is this right here is the future of wrestling. You can call this the new world order of wrestling, brother. These two men right here came from a great big organization up north, and everybody was wondering who the third man was. Well, who knows more about that organization than me, brother? I've been there. I've done that. You have made the wrong decision, in my opinion. Well, let me tell you something. I made that organization a monster. I made people rich up there. I made the people that ran that organization rich up there, brother. And when it all came to pass, the name Hulk Hogan, the man Hulk Hogan, got bigger than the whole organization, brother. And then, Billionaire Ted, amigo. He wanted to talk turkey with Hulk Hogan. Oh, Billionaire Ted, promise me movies, brother. Billionaire Ted, promise me millions of dollars and Billionaire Ted promised me world caliber matches and as far as Billionaire Ted goes, Eric Bischoff and the whole WCW goes I'm bored brother that's why these two guys here the so called outsiders these are the men I want as my friends they're the new blood professional wrestling brother and not only are we going to take over the whole wrestling business with Hulk Hogan in the new blood the monsters with me we will destroy everything in our path mean
1: and let's just say they tried to do that however and for a while it was that way however but Again, I will never forget that night as long as I live. It just seems like it didn't happen all that long you know, ago. But you know, um... know. Let's get your thoughts.
0: Not only um, um, about Kevin Nash and Scott Hall. Not only was that their, their, their That was was that their debut to the WCW. WCW nineteen ninety six. there was that was their return to WCW nineteen ninety six. Because when Kevin Nash and Scott Hall were in WCW. Kevin Nash was Vinny Vegas in Oz. Yep. And um, Scott Hall was a Diamond Stud.
1: That's right. Yep. Yes, they had, and then of course they went to WWE and then competed as Razor and Diesel. And of course they had the infamous click farewell earlier in the year. And then of course, uh, 10 days after the incident in the garden, as it became known as, however, Hall would show up. Nash would show up two weeks later. They would powerbomb Eric Bischoff later that uh, later that week following uh, Nash's return to WCW, however, minus the Vinnie Vegas character and Diesel character, if you will. And then, of course, as we said, Hollywood Hulk Hogan was out of action for a little while doing this and that. However. But, of course, as you said, however, the real thing came, however, the first week of July, however, when they showed up on Nitro just outside of D.C., And we thought Hulk Hogan was going to show up with him that night. That became a very ugly scene. The cops showed up at the Capitol Center, I remember. But it wasn't until that Sunday, however, in Daytona, as we all recall, that Hulk Hogan came out and, let's just say, lowered the boom and changed wrestling as we know it. So there you go. Uh, All in all, very interesting. I will say two of those greatest moments that will probably live in forever and will still live forever in wrestling history by far, Justin. Thank you very much. Let's give you the number one more time as we wrap it up here at the 8 o'clock hour one six oh five five six two zero four 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 one three nine nine two six pound. This is episode two twenty six with Justin Lewis Farming and myself. Of course we were hoping to hear from the King of Club Smith Patel and also the Human Suplex Machine the rest of the game, but of course they could not join us tonight probably due to a prior commitment, but we will be hearing from them here within the hour on Revolution, including a recap of last night's Monday Night Raw. So you definitely want to stay tuned as far as that goes. Next week folks how we're going to have another great moment in time, ladies and gentlemen. And next week I think we're going to have a really good moment to talk about how we're going to stay on the 1996 counter campaign. Only this time folks we're going to take you back to the granddaddy of the mall, ladies and gentlemen, on 1996, However, and one of the matches that happened that year was involving Hulk Hogan and an old friend and rival of his, let's just say, Howard, that, uh, let's just say, Howard, had a little uh, payback on his mind against the Hulkster after the Hulkster had stolen his momentum at uh, WrestleMania 1. So, folks, that is going to be our moment next week, Starcade 1996, however, you definitely don't want to miss that at 7 p.m. Uh, before we go, Justin, do you have anything you want to close us out with this evening? Um, see,
0: um, uh, I think that's it. That's it.
1: Okay. All right. No problem. We appreciate that. Thank you very much. Of course, as you know, ladies and gentlemen, a lot going down tonight on AEW, ladies and gentlemen. Of course, tomorrow night, Fighter Fest, night number two. promised to be a very, very good match. However, you definitely don't want to miss that, ladies and gentlemen. Of course, uh, Brian Pillman Jr. making his debut tonight, ladies and gentlemen, against the perfect 10, Sean Spears. Michael Nakazala versus Sean Dean. Frankie Kazarian versus Luther. Firstly, Squinish, Orange Cassidy versus Will Hobbs. Scorpio Sky versus Serpent Dicko, ladies and gentlemen. Big Swole versus Roche Chanel. Evil Uno and Stu, don't call me Dick Burt. Ward Grayson versus Brandon Cutler and Peter Avalon with Lavia Bates. Blue pants, if you will. And then, of course, a big eight-person tag. Pentagon Jr., Ray Fenex, the Butcher and the Blade, getting ready for that big match tomorrow with FTR. And, of course, the Young Bucks will take on Joe Alonzo, Brady Pierce, Tony Donati, and Favou Andre. You definitely don't want to miss that coming up tonight on AEW Dark. And, of course, right now that is being aired currently as we speak on YouTube. Also, ladies and gentlemen, we've just heard, ladies and that Taz is set to make a major announcement during the second night of Fighter Fest, of course, tomorrow night. We could hear, however, something involving the big match that was supposed to be tomorrow night, him and John Moxley. But tomorrow night, folks, here are the matches you will see at Firefest Fest night number two. SCU versus the uh, GIMP squad of Evil Uno, ladies and gentlemen. Stu, don't call me Dick Burt, or Grayson Cole Caban, and Mr. Boom Boom Man, and Vince McMahon 2.0, the Exalted one, Brody Lee. The Murderhawk Maniac Monster, the Hang Sartre, looks to crash the party and enjoy Janelle's night. FTR and the Bucks, as we told you, will take on the Butcher and the Blade with the Luchaverse. That's going to be a fantastic match. Nyla Rose, of course. We do not know who she'll take on yet. We've heard Penelope before, Hakura Shida. We've heard possibly Riho. We don't know yet who that'll be. And yes, folks, the big one. Kenny Omega and Hangman Page, the champs. will take on Mark Quinn and Isaiah Cassidy, folks. You definitely do not want to miss tomorrow night. Fight number to our uh, fighter Fest. Also, tomorrow night, ladies and gentlemen, a very interesting match hour that will be very unique. However. It is going to be entertaining. Keith Lee, if you will, will take on Adam Cole, baby. Winner take all. And yes, Mia Yim and Candice LeRae will be going at it in the streets, however, as they will have a brawl to see who is the queen of the streets, at least for this week and a bash tomorrow night on night number two at the gab so folks we will have a lot more to discuss coming up later tonight and throughout the weekend again next week don't forget star King 96 The review will be supplied by yours truly the iceman along with the rest of the game hopefully we'll have some more people again i do want to thank justin lewis for joining us this evening we will talk to you again at nine o'clock with revolution so for now but justin lewis Fleming, the iceman no problem thank you for coming on we appreciate you uh your insight, and we had a good time. We will talk to you again here in just a little bit, and we'll talk to you again at 9 o'clock for Revolution. We'll see you next week at the same time, 7 o'clock for Revolution. Have a great night, everyone. Stay safe, stay clean, and be careful with this heating, you whatever you're doing. it helps to, We'll hope to cool down very soon. We'll talk to you soon here on the TalkShoe Radio Network. Good night, everyone